And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? I'm designing and prototyping stuff. I'm just trying to, you know... I'm building models. I got my popsicle sticks out. I got some pipe cleaners. Got my glue stick. A little glitter. Yeah, it sounds like a weekend at my house with my four kids. Yeah, I stole a little glitter from my daughter, and I realized that was a really <laughs> bad idea. I, I spilled the glitter, and now I got to sell the house because there's no way <laughs> the I'm going to ever get rid of it. But yeah, so I mean, that's what you do when you design and prototype stuff, right? You get out the popsicles. I got a bar napkin here, a golf pencil. Um, let's do it. I think I found an erector set or just some <laughs> rusty metal. I'm not sure. It's one of I'll the bring two. the Legos. Uh, you know, cause then I'll step on them and get mad. <laughs> Is there anything That's that hurts sure. worse than stepping on a Lego with a bare foot? Tax. Tax. <laughs> All right. Well, and we're back for episode four of eight and our foray into the software development life cycle. For those of you listening, if you go back to the prior Friday episodes, we have three other episodes before this one. One's a general over, overview on the process. On 826, we talked about planning and just planning your software project in general. 92, we talked about defining requirements. Today, we're going to talk about designing and prototyping, which I'm going to go ahead and say is a tough thing to talk about in an audio medium. I'll tell you why right after I remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io and learn more. There is a link in the show notes for that. Um, I mean, Matt, what, what's your opening, what are your opening remarks about designing and prototyping? Well, so we started out talking about planning, right? And so you know, and that's one of the hardest things is trying to get the executive team, the management team to even, you know, all agree on what the plan is and what the priorities are, right? So we start there, we got a plan, we got priorities. Okay, and the next step is to do requirements. So we met with all the people, we understand what what it needs to do, how it needs to work, we understand all the details. Now you get to the next step is designing and prototyping. It's like, okay, how do we do this? We know what the requirements are. So it'd be like, hey, we know we need a car that can drive this fast, has this fuel economy, it can hold this much cargo capacity, right? Like that would be kind of like the requirements. Now it's time to design this thing. It's like now we have to figure out how to actually accomplish those goals within whatever limits we have with this type of architecture. It has to look like this, has to be this color, whatever, it has to be aerodynamic, like whatever the design requirements are. But now it's time to go from the the requirements to actually making it come to life and, and designing what it would look like if it came to life. You know, one of the things I think that we have discovered and pointed out and tried to help clarify uh, through this series is the importance for various levels of expertise when it comes to either full-time members of your team or perhaps getting input. And this is another stop where, where we're going to 
where we are going to find that that is the case. So, you know, over the last, I'd say really the last 10 years, the world of UI UX, so user interface and user experience has, well, it's getting a lot of love and attention. I think 10 years ago, a lot of people had built a lot of backend centric software products that turned gears and did stuff inside the magical world of the server. And then as their products and needs evolved, um, so did the expectations of the interface. And that's part of the design and prototype we're talking about. And that all leads into the UX, which is user experience. And those two things together have turned into a whole segment of employee and and expertise with the UI UX designer. And this, well, yeah, and that's, and, you know, I mean, do, do you agree with the, with the timeline of how that kind of occurred? Because, you know, 10 years ago, UI UX was trash for so many people. We were still like at mobile.yoursite.com kind of stuff, rather than now we have things that are a lot more responsive so, and kind of adapt to whatever this, the setting is. I think in some sense, I, I'm not a fan of them, but I think in some sense, we can actually thank Apple for this about 15 years ago with the iPhone, right? Like love or hate Apple. One thing that Apple has always done a good job of in almost all their products is creating a good user experience, Correct. making yeah. an easy to use product that's beautiful. And the original iPhone did a good job at that. And for a lot of people, um, a lot of people didn't like it. It's like, oh, it's not as customizable. I can't do this. I can't do that. But they're like, look, we're going to make it simple. We're going to make it beautiful. And people over time have embraced that. And, and I think, you know, that, you know, in some sense, they kind of led the way and everybody else, you know, enjoys using beautiful, simple software. Now, today, I would say Android phones are just as easy to use as iPhones, but they're also more customizable. But the early Android phones were more difficult to use. Yeah. Not not going to argue that. But um, in some sense, I could say we, we, you know, Apple has sort of led the way about 15 years ago and maybe even before that with the iPods and stuff like that of making a simple and beautiful user experience. Well, and I think that needs to be your goal, because as I mentioned in the prior episodes, my rule one of building software is answering the question, is this annoying? And if the answer is anything other than no, you have some more work to do. And that is directly related to user experience. And user experience can go wrong in a number of ways in a number of places. Uh, too many clicks, too many steps, too many pages. Um like, you know, we went through this with Gigabook because Gigabook is highly customizable. In fact, that's the niche. Like I'm not, we're not, we're not Calendly. Like Calendly is like a simple free tool to connect your Google calendar to like your email signature. And it lacks customization. It lacks the depth and, and complexity that some people need when it comes to taking, you know, appointments, bookings, yada, yada, yada. So, so with that, what we realized is we had all these switches, all these levers and, yeah. and it made kind of a shitty user experience because the yep. question is, is how do we even explain to you, show you, or help you understand that those things even exist? So, you know, so I think when you talk about design and planning and, and prototyping, if I was going to build software, so a software platform again from the beginning, I'm going to start with, I'm going to start at right where it starts, which is how do we get people into it? How do we build an onboarding and a setup flow that gets someone into a software platform with the minimal amount of effort necessary to set it up, but the maximum amount of usability once they're actually in there? Um, and there's, there's a whole school of thought around this too, because you even look at like Twitter is known for having the world's simplest onboarding. It's like click, click, boom, and you have a Twitter account. Yeah. 
you know, so, I mean, do, how, do you agree with like, if, Matt, if you had to start a brand new software platform, are you going to build the platform and then figure out the onboarding? Or are you going to look at the onboarding first? So there's two, there's two things there that I would comment on. Definitely when you're signing up a brand new customer and they're logging in for the first time and, and starting to use the product, the most important thing is getting them to that aha moment as fast as possible, yep. right? Getting them to see like, hey, I signed up for this thing and now I see the value in it and why I would use it. So having like a curated experience that can hold their hand, you know, maybe the software has to be pre-populated with data or test data to work with or whatever it is. Um, so they can very quickly and easily get to that aha moment is really important. And honestly, that was one of the big problems we had at my last company, StackFi, is it's like, well, they had to actually install it on their server yep. or configure this thing or configure code and deploy it. And like, it's just really hard to get them to see value in the product if there's like no data in it, right? Like that's really a struggle from that onboarding user experience. Well, I think that's the struggle with design and prototyping is that unless you have a masterful grasp on the entire industry that you're trying to serve or provide solutions to, it can be very difficult to understand and know what is truly important to your future users. Like you can, because you can maybe hit some of it and, you know, completely miss on the other side of things. And, you know, like when you talk about, so at Gigabook, the way we saw this is we created a thing called Smart Start that just asked, it's a, a very short number of questions. Like, do you want to use this for appointments? Do you do any group bookings? Do you want to take payments? Do you want to sync with calendars? You know, a few simple things like that. Um, do you want to send text message reminders? You know, and, and with that, based on those, do you have more than one person at your company? And just those simple yes or no questions would then tailor an experience and a design that set you towards the platform and only had to answer the questions that you needed. Now, I know we're talking about design and prototyping, but your design and prototype don't matter if no one ever gets to it. And that's why I wanted to kind of address well, this, because like you said, that aha moment. And the problem we had is people get, you try to get people in as fast as you can, but then we'd get them in before smart start, we'd get them into the platform sure. and they couldn't even schedule an appointment or they had to go to eight different places to set stuff up. So they, they didn't stick around. There was no aha moment. So that, you know, so we talked about the onboarding part of it, but then, you know, just creating a very good user experience in every aspect of your software, even past the onboarding is important. Yeah. Right. And for example, I'm working on software right now that has to do with configuring AdWords you know, ads and budget, and all that stuff. And the target audience is a plumber who is on a job site somewhere and needs to modify his marketing. Yeah. It's gotta be really damn simple, yeah. right? Like, you know, we, but the problem is like, oh, there's like these seven custom optional levers and switches, like you said, like, well, what if they need to make the ad go to this different target URL or they want to set a different target ad budget for this thing or whatever, like all these optional things. And it's like, you know what? 95% of people don't care about any of this. And at some degree, you're like, what? We're not going to do, we're not even going to worry about what the 5% care about because we know it would destroy the user experience of the other 95%. Yep. Yep. And that's always the hard thing, especially if you're selling an enterprise products. And this is what makes enterprise products so complicated is you're like, you know what? But the sales guy said they're going to sign up for our product and pay $300,000 a year, but we need to add this one checkbox. Fuck. You add like seven of those checkboxes and the next thing you know, the whole damn user experience is complicated. Yep. But that's what happens in complex enterprise software. They all inevitably get to that exact same place. Just like if somebody came to Gigabook and said, hey, we'll give you a giant check to add three features to it. You'd be like, you know, well, fine, I'll add the three features. 
And the next thing you know, that just keeps happening. And, and that's just the nature of software. It all ends up being really complex enterprise software eventually, if that's the target audience that you're at. Where on the other hand, you have like your example earlier, Twitter, who's like completely the other end of the spectrum is like, we aren't adding shit. Like we won't even let you edit the tweets. Yeah, well, the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, well, and you know, still in that regard, like Twitter did add some more steps past that. They let you skip them, but they are they are oftenly referred to as like the 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 fastest setup that you're going to find. And you yeah. know, now, now back to the whole idea, of the design and a prototype. So, like, what is a prototype, and why do you need it? A prototype's an initial creation of a product that shows the basics of what a product will look like what the product will do and how the product operates. Uh, we'll put a link to the show notes in that. Cause we've got a, uh, we have, we have some other, uh, just look in the show notes. There's more resources, more things, uh, in there, but you know, a prototype is often, uh, is, and I mentioned this in the last episode, it's, uh, it's like your, your, your minimally viable product, which we have referred to as an MLP, the minimal lovable product. And I think when it comes to the building, the prototype, I just, going to tell you because after doing it wrong in the past, I've learned that you need to pick two or three things at the most and get real freaking good at them before you worry about doing 12 other things. And, you know, we, uh, you know, you look at, we were referencing Gigabook, like Gigabook at its core is an appointment booking platform. So like being able to book a single appointment would be an example of what its prototype needed to do. And then you might say, well, with that, you want a, a notification and a reminder. Okay, get real good at those three things before you start trying to take payments and do rescheduling and like a whole bunch of other shit. Because oh, yeah. if those basic tenets of your platform don't work, the rest of it doesn't matter. No one's going to stick around. No one cares. Well, and the hardest part with... Um design i lost my train of thought <laughs> uh, well I, i'll tell you what and see there you go see the user experience i numbed matt with the user experience here now well there's some tools and things that that can help with this and, and when we talk about planning we've talked about buy or build you can buy framework you can buy framework for this stuff like you talk about needing to build a dashboard like someone's already designed that you can, for like a hundred dollars or less, you can go buy a professional license of something, whether it's bootstrap or anything. Yeah. CSS themes. And, and you're going to customize a lot of someone else's design work. So that's the, and when you buy those, those dashboard templates, they will, first off, they'll come with the code base that you can just upload. They have, so upload the whole thing to your server. If you don't have any users and you're starting from scratch, upload the whole thing and then start by just removing the stuff, you know, you won't need. And that's a so good, I remember what I was going to good place. I remember to what start. I was going to say now. Yeah. Oh, you're back. Um, you're back. I'm back. Yeah. Sorry. My brain stopped working for a second. Um, so a lot of times, you know, we're talking about user experience design, all this, and in some sense, you're talking about designing a brand new product, right? But a lot of times it's, it's not about necessarily a brand new product. It's, it's just about a specific project or new feature or whatever right. you're doing. Right. And, and honestly, one of the things you can do for prototyping a lot of times is just using freaking Excel and tools like that as well. You know, like, for example, at, at my company now, we're working on a project to do with reporting. And the, uh, the the team, like not the development team, but the other team has figured out how to use Excel and import a bunch of data into it and do the calculations they want and, and even add a chart to it or whatever. And like, they've got this Excel document that has like some pretty report, right? 
And it's like they built the prototype and actually it's like the product right now. They just manually have to do all this shit. But now they can hand that, hand that over to the engineering team and say, look, this is what we need. We did it in Excel. This is all the data. This is how we want it to look. Now just like go build it and add it as a feature to the software, right? Like they were actually able to use Excel as sort of like the UX like prototyping tool. And that and that is a prototype. I mean, that's that's it. You're just trying to give an example. So where would you need a prototype? A prototype, like Matt mentioned, could be an example or showing a design team. So you talk about, okay, so a lot of, there's a lot of data centric stuff out there. And like, you know, like, so that could, a prototype could even be like Matt mentioned, like a, an Excel sheet, which would show the formulas and the math of how you got, yeah. you arrived at something that you arrived at. And trust me, your design team's going to thank you for not oh, making yeah. them have to figure that out on their own. Right. And, you know, another thing is, is you might make a prototype. You, we've mentioned a couple instances where like, here comes enterprise customer X and they're like, we need this. And if we get it, we're going to give you a $25,000 a month contract. Well, you might want to build a prototype for that too, because you might need to, in order to get them to give you the money to build it. Um, yep. Also, just so you're on the same page and little basic prototypes are going to while it can be tempting to just try to build them right into the platform, um, it, sometimes you're going to build a prototype and be like, okay, this is going to be a lot more complex or harder to build than we thought it was. Maybe this isn't as good of an idea as we thought. Well, I'm in that stage right now. We are trying to add a bunch of functionality to our software so we can go meet with some potential customers slash partners. Yep. And they're like, hey, we don't want to have that meeting until we have something to show. Like we yep. just need a prototype. It doesn't have to be perfect, but we need something to show of you know how how this would work to go show this potential customer and hopefully then they'll write us the big check and then we'll figure out you know the rest of it later yeah and then you know back to the mvp or the minimally lovable product um i mean that is a prototype i mean in a lot of cases you get people that they're they're looking for investment they're looking for validation they're looking for a lot of stuff and being able i'll tell you right now that being able to show someone even if it's a rickety version of it show them give them an idea of how it works then uh it makes it a lot more tangible and easy to understand now it, the the world well i'm going to give you a couple tips on what you can do to i got a couple tools to suggest for you but now look someone's going to need to build all this stuff for you and if you are trying to figure that out or you feel like you need to add to your team you need to know that finding expert software developers it doesn't have to be difficult matt it does not have to be as challenging as some people make it especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably almost 300 people in our office over there that working diligently on finding solutions matt they design and prototype things you can use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers testers and leaders are ready to join your team you can do all of that at fullscale.io that's no longer a prototype matt that is a working model but you know so some of this is is there are some cool tools out there i mean figma is a very popular one when it comes to designing actual UI UX. And I mean, it's a mock-up tool. Yeah, it's a mock-up tool. It's like, it's, and yeah. then another one, if you want to really be in like, like bubble.io has gotten really popular. Mm -hmm. Now bubbles, no code. Um, one thing with bubble that is, that is for most going to be at best a prototyping tool because you don't actually yeah, own I've heard a lot code. of success with it though yeah but you can show it you can show an example yeah. or you can i mean it's Throw really easy to put that stuff together 
And once again, when we talk about the, the design and planning phase, um, if you have something for your developers to follow and look at and see, well, they're going to do it faster and better, in my opinion. Well, and so we talked for in our previous episodes about the value of like having a product owner and a product team, right? And, you know, I go through this every day at, at my company. It's like, oh, we need to build a dashboard. It's like, well, what should be on the dashboard? Nobody knows. Well, stuff. one of the best things you can do is just beg, borrow, and steal, right? Like we're going to look at all of our competitors. What do they do? We're going to get ideas from them. We're going to talk to industry experts and figure out, okay, what are the KPIs that that our customers should be tracking that we should put on this dashboard? And then we're going to go talk to customers. We're going to talk to other employees who also talk to customers every day. It's like you you have to talk to a lot of people. And sometimes the best thing you do is look at your competitors and steal ideas from them and figure out what did they miss? Like, oh, they'd be way better if they added this thing. But you just sort of beg, borrow, and steal from every place you can. And don't don't feel bad about ripping off other people's ideas. That's it's not ripping. Yeah, it's not ripping it off because they, they <laughs> what the, your your competitor did not in, uh, uh, invent the administrative dashboard and software. You're looking for inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've actually done that with designers and people in the past. I'm like, here's three things. Get come use these as as some fodder for your future thought yeah. about what we need and. How can we do it better than this? Yeah, and I don't think that ripping off is the right term because that <laughs> indicates theft. And you know, yeah. like it was, it was. You, we've been using Gigabook as, as an example. It's like, okay, the Romans invented the calendar, so sure. you know, like I'm just saying, like there's no, there's no real intellectual yeah. property there that you know I could have grabbed from Calendly or Google or whatever. So don't. I think some people get a little picky about some of that, and you know, I don't think you need to worry about it, but yeah, I think no. that knowing and understanding what the industry standard is, is, is key, is key. And it'll, and, and then maybe just ask your users. So we've been talking a lot about prototyping and, and mock-ups and, and those things are really important. As we talk more about the design phase, you know, as we mentioned earlier, that's where you have to go from the requirements to figuring out the actual design. And there's several different aspects of the design itself that you have to take into account account for. And one of them is the user experience, which we've been talking a lot about. But there are other design considerations, things like architecture or performance or like, are we going to, how are we going to design this thing? Is it like an IoT thing and I need to deploy it on site or is it a mobile app and I have to design it to run on on mobile or I have to install it on their, their desktop or is it going to run in the cloud? Like there's other design you know, considerations that happen based on the requirements, right? If your requirements are like, well, the software has to control drones. It's like, okay, well, how would we design it to do that? Like what type of software is it? Where would we deploy it, right? So there's a lot of other design decisions that go into the architecture, the tech stack, where would we deploy the app that have to back up whatever the requirements are. Whatever the requirements are, now we have to design how to accomplish those requirements. And so once you get into the design, it's not all about user experience. It's also the technical design as well, which gets into, you know, what does our tech stack look like? Where are we going to deploy it? Things like risk and and identifying security risks and and other things. Like if you're building bank software. Basic coding languages too. Like I know you mentioned some of that. Like, are we going to use React? Are we going to use JavaScript? Are we going to use Angular? Technically, those are all JavaScript, but, and that's where you're (laughs) going to get back into your design team fighting about shit. Yeah, everybody wants to use the shiny new object, the cool new thing. We talked about that before, right? It's like you got to have the resources to actually execute and and have um, 
the talent required, right? That's yeah. that's part of the requirements. Well, and then too. So, in some cases, you can you can continue if you're planning on change. So you talk about the front end of things, and you know when I first started doing this, it was almost like every designer was a full stack designer or a full stack developer. Excuse me, like they kind of everyone kind of did everything. And what you'll find now is that developers have largely identified themselves as being back end developers or front end. And I think if you can afford it when you're building your team, when it comes to your user experience, your UI, all that, you're probably best to have someone that is passionate about that side of building technology. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. When you talk about the design, um, as I mentioned earlier, it depends on the type of app you're building, right? Like if we're building banking software, I might be doing a lot of APIs to various you know, financial institutions or, or banking stuff. That's a lot of APIs. I mean, maybe maybe the project we're working on has no user experience at all. Like I'm working on something today that's integration with Google AdWords. Like there really is no user experience. It's all this integration work I have to do. And again, that comes down to the requirements and the type of project that you're working on. The There may be no user experience even in the design. Uh, I'm, I feel like I need to say this, even though I cringe feeling like I have to. It's 2022 and anything you build should be compatible on mobile or desktop. The technology yeah. exists for you to come out of the box with that. I mean, it doesn't, it might not be perfect, but it's, you, you shouldn't like, don't, don't like keep that in mind um, along the way. Cause like you mentioned a plumber needing to change something and he's literally standing in shit, you know, he's not, he's not breaking <laughs> out his laptop on that he's one. He's standing in the sewer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's he's in the middle of fixing the septic tank right now, but he's got to take a call and schedule his next appointment for next week, and he's got to have technology to do it, right? Yep. You know, I'm not much of a construction guy, Matt, but I do know rule one in plumbing, and that's that shit flows downhill. <laughs> yeah. I worked I worked enough construction when I was younger to learn that rule, and and it's it's true. It, it's uh, there. I believe that it's validated. So, okay. So, you know, there's, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you know, part of this, part of discussing this side of it, it is, I mean, this is almost where I wish we had a little bit of a show and tell where we could bring listeners to see, you know, us actually showing you some things. So Matt, when you think about like an overall, like the, so you have design and prototyping and, you know, the, I think the thing is, is with, with this is, Okay, if you're building a new platform, I, I think that in this part of the process, it's important to not drive yourself crazy about having the shiniest car on the block. Because as you continue to build the whole thing, like these are you, there's a lot of things that you're going to just polish at the end that if you get too obsessed with polish in this part of it, you're just going to find yeah. you're polishing a lot of stuff that you end up throwing away or changing anyway, and you're going to drive yourself crazy doing it. I mean, yeah. I if we use the analogy of like building a house, you know, you've got the planning of the house and you'll have the requirements of like, oh, I want to have three bedrooms and this many bathrooms and whatever you, you starting in all the requirements. And then you get into the design phase. Now you get more into like the architecture and like, we got to draw all the blueprints and, and figure out like, what kind of wood are we going to use? And exactly what you get, you get into, right? Like now you get into interior design, but it's like, how far do you go? Right. Like how far do you overcomplicate it of like now, you know, like we haven't even built the house yet, house yet. And you're worried about if the couch is going to be leather and what kind of leather. Right. Like th there's a, a diminishing return 
somewhere there around how much design work you have to do. Like, hey, we did the blueprints of the house and we know we want it to be wood and maybe we know some of the paint colors. But some of that you figure out later. Like we will figure out the paint color later, like after like we're in the middle of the construction. But and that's why it's agile development, too. Right. Because some of those decisions have to be made on the fly later. But, you know, I think the analogy of like building a house is a good one in, the, in this sense. It's like how, how, how much do you go from the architecture drawings to like interior design? And there's there's a line somewhere you don't want to cross. I, I compare it to restoring a classic car. And that you yeah. don't, you don't, you, you know, if you, you, you're do, redoing the engine and the interior, the first thing you do, you don't come and paint the frame and, and, and wax it and polish it up and then do all the rest of that. You do a lot of that stuff in the end. And, yeah. you know, and, and no matter how great your planning and, and all, and your project gathering and requirements are, I, you are guaranteed to change stuff probably quite a bit before you get to that Absolutely. operations and management phase. And that's whether you have a new, something new or you're building onto something that exists. So um, the, the polish is the least important thing until it actually works. Yeah. And, in, and back to the house example, it's like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to pick out a couch until you can walk in the space and yeah. see like, you know what, maybe we should get a smaller couch. <laughs> like some of it, you just can't answer those questions until you have something you can touch and feel. And then you can make more educated decisions later. Like you're too early in the in the fa in the design phase to make some of those final decisions. You just can't do it. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say that you don't know what, what the paint really looks like on the wall until it's on the wall. But then I was reminded of our guest Joel Tepley, who actually designed the app for PP and G and all of the all of the paint companies that actually used a neural network to accurately show you what the paint looks like on the wall. So. Yeah, we might be right. Technology's outpacing us, Matt. We're going to have to come up with some new examples. But yeah, the, like like I said, you don't you don't wax and shine the car. I was actually joking before we recorded. I told Matt I took a country drive last night, and on my way out, I saw a coin operated car wash. So I I sprayed all the bugs and everything off the car, and then I got in, and I was like, shit, I got twenty miles to drive home. There were actually more bugs on my car when I got home. Than when I left, so that was a. I th yeah, sounds like building software. Yeah, don't 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 pressure <laughs> more wash bugs your to car halfway through your country drive. Yeah, <laughs> you fixed half the bugs during the uh, the build, and then there's half the bugs are, are waiting for you after the delivery. I feel like there. <laughs> if I hadn't done that, I actually would have had less bugs because some of the bugs would have hit the existing ones. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Definitely made things worse on that. Okay, so look, when it comes to design and prototyping, there's a, a couple other things I have suggestions for. These are, these are this is a this is a part of the process where having someone that has uh, a, some decent design skills, and I mean like kind of like graphic type design skills, can be quite helpful. Um, there's a ton of tools out there that you, I mean, just. Google design and prototyping tools. I mentioned Figma and Figma is popular because you can really kind of polish it and actually kind of then begin to turn that into your code. Um, so it's not just like, if you're just going to create a design, you're going to do it in something like Photoshop. Keep in mind that doesn't just immediately translate to your web page or your, or your server. It has to, it, you, you got to chop it up and code it up. I do still really want to just suggest in that buy and build mentality that you look for existing framework because there is an ungodly amount of high quality templates out there yeah. that someone else built that have all the objects. Yep. And when I say objects, that's like a field, a square, a, a form, 
Uh, you a good know, example of that is Bootstrap. Yeah. Right. Like most people use yeah. Bootstrap these days, and and it does a good job with just basics, you know, spacing and padding and and all that stuff. And like you want to drop in a button and how big the button should be and the size of the button and whatever. Those things help so much with just creating like at least like a basics design. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, but it's like a really good like just kind of standard design. Yeah, and I have a couple other uh, closing remarks that right after I. I want to ask everyone, do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Because full scale can help with that. We have the people, the platform, and the processes to help you manage your team of experts. Go to fullscale.io. It's mad, it's so easy. You just answer a couple questions. We made that prototype really simple. And the system will match you up with people that have qualifications and experience doing what you need done. You can schedule interviews, get everything going. And that same platform is going to help you with the time clocks, your reports, a whole lot of different stuff. We've really, we have done a lot of design and prototyping and testing yeah. when it comes to, to making the building of your software team fast and easy. Matt, we built the whole company out of our own needs. And uh, I think that made us pretty damn founder friendly. Um, so pretty excited about that. But yeah, so, you know, we mentioned the kind of closing remarks. I think the main thing I wanted to visit is that with a prototype, it can be simple. It doesn't have to, this isn't the finished product. Otherwise it wouldn't be called a prototype. You know, and, and you, know, you have to iterate on it, right? And you know, I had a meeting actually before this today and we're working on, we need to design a dashboard for our, our software and, and the, our, our product manager is like, well, what if we just ask the developers to figure out what this is supposed to look like? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding no. me? <laughs> they have no. no idea. They have no idea. We no. have to design this. We have to design this and give them the requirements. Like we can't just go to them and say, make us a dashboard. Like it doesn't work that way, man. We have to design it. We have to give them the blueprints and they are engineers. They are engineers. You tell them what to do and they will build it, but you have to tell them what you need or otherwise they're just not going to know. You're going to come, they're going to come back with some crazy shit. That, that room, you, for whatever reason, you saying that, that story reminded me of big daddy, the Adam Sandler movie where he, you know, he kind of <laughs> suddenly like has a kid, he lets the kid name himself and he names himself Frankenstein, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. I was also like, just, you know, with my kids, I was asking, I was like, Hey, do you want to get a horse? And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. What, what, what would you name it? Baby Yoda. I'm like, you know, so yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, the, the requirements and design is a critical, critical right. phase to development. And a lot of times it's like, you just spend a little extra time in the requirements and the design phase, and then hand that off to the engineering team. And that gives them the blueprints that they need to at least get started. They will have more questions. There will be things you didn't think about, but at least they have a basis of what they're doing. It's so important. Yeah. And it, it, there, look, for prototyping tools for UI, UX, like here, you have Figma. I, I have no vested interest in you using any of these people. I'm not getting paid to say this. I, I probably should be. You have Envision Studio. That's, uh, that's another popular one where a lot of these things help you make clickable prototypes. Now, that doesn't mean that the back end part of your software is doing its thing but it'll, it'll demonstrate the user experience and help you refine what it looks like. Um, Adobe XD uh, Webflow is another popular one that's got gained popularity yeah. over the years. As, XD is huge. As, Azure, is huge. Origami Studio, Just in Mind, Sketch. Sketch is actually, I, I run into, I've had a lot of people show up to meetings about building a team at full scale and they have used Sketch 
that's sketch and figma are probably yes, two that. that i run into and then and then the uh envision studio and then a lot of people just have mock oh envision's huge too, yeah yes. yeah and those are all and these are things like you yep. make you make clickable things like it'll like you're gonna prototype things to the point where you click the submit button and it'll take you thank you if you've submitted your data and we'll yep. get right back to you now that didn't actually go and, anywhere but it's the yeah and these different tools some of them are better for different personas, right? If you're a graphic artist and you're doing things in Photoshop, like something in like Envision is yeah. great because you can create like really high fidelity stuff and, and build it. Same thing with Adobe XD. You can build really high fidelity stuff. And then you have something like Figma, which is probably more up my alley where it's just like I'm creating buttons and labels and, yeah. and whatever and making it just kind of high level, you know. Um, but hell, I've even used, I like to use Google's uh, slide, like PowerPoint or Google Slides. Yeah. Like that even works for doing mock-ups, like Dude, just really Canva. simple stuff sometimes. I've used Canva. Yeah. Just because I'm familiar yeah. with Canva, you know, like, and I, and they've been a sponsor of the show. I, there you go, Canva. There's some free advertising. I finally got paid for one of them. Not this one though, but Canva, <laughs> like Canva, Canva. Yeah. Cause it's simple. I, I, just, I literally just kind of, and I'm kind of known for my shitty drawings, like my whiteboard drawings where my squares aren't square and my circles aren't round. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. If you're trying to give it's the okay. message over to, yeah. yeah, you don't, you don't have to draw. And then, then when I really want to get toolsy with it, I actually like have a pad of graph paper and some colored yeah. pencils and just like a little Sometimes drawing. That's kit. the easiest too. Yeah. I bought it for 20, 25 yes. bucks. I've got like, like a, a round, you know, the round ruler, the little square, like all of that stuff and, and a box of colored pencils and, and, you know, and like, and I'll sometimes sketch it out like that. And so, I, so at the beginning of the episode, I wasn't joking. Like, I mean, a bar napkin and a golf pencil can be a prototyping tool. And whatever works it doesn't really matter but yeah, remember it's, until you get it out of your head and into something else it's almost not real it's a fantasy so any like, any yeah. visual at all helps yep. people understand what you're trying to to do well, i'm gonna go draw a bunch of stuff now i'm feeling and and i almost said expired <laughs> that's not good i'm feeling inspired inspired right, i'm gonna go draw pictures now matt more not square squares and not round circles see you next week see ya Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.